When you're smiling. Hey, you. Bubbly sparkling water is crisp, refreshing, and perfect for any occasion. Kind of like my voice, but in a can. No calories, no sweeteners, all smiles. Bubbly. Crack a smile. Hello, movie lovers. Welcome to the Best Damn Movie Related Show here on the internet. This is Joseph, as always, for Movie Lovers United, John DeGore. And I just want to say it's an honor and a privilege to be able to talk about movies in front of a virtual water cooler. And for today's podcast, I'm going to talk about Kremlin, Secrets on Mugwile. This is going to be an animated show for the HBO Max streaming service that's going to be coming really soon. Birds of Prey is tracking to make $52 million. Then we have Jeffrey D. Morgan might be joining the boys for season three. Season two is actually in development right now. But it looks like the creator of... The Boys is actually moving on to Season 3 pretty soon, and Jeffrey Dean Morgan wants to be a part of Season 3 because he loves The Boys so much. I'm going to be talking about that. Then RDJ might return as Tony Stark if there's a major reason for him to return. And Star Wars news, Taika Waititi wants to go on ahead and make a Star Wars movie with the blessing of Kathleen Kennedy. So, let's go on ahead and talk about the very first thing that's on our minds is Gremlins. Now, we haven't heard any news recently or anything like that as to what they're going to be doing with Gremlins. I know that before we were talking about the fact that, you know, they wanted to go and make a sequel to that horrendous movie of Gremlins to the new batch. And everything, and this time it looks like they're going with a different route than making a live action movie and stuff like that. As a matter of fact, they're actually going with an animated TV show, which is going to probably be about 10, maybe 11 episodes, if I'm correct. But they're going to go on ahead and do that, and it's called The Secrets of Mugwile. I mean, as a matter of fact, when I was actually researching new stuff to actually go on ahead and type out for my articles and stuff like that. When I read this, Secrets of Mugwile, I thought that was actually a pretty good title for a live-action TV show or a movie or anything like that. But instead, we're getting a Gremlins animated show. And I get the fact that you can do anything you want with an animated show versus what you can do with a live-action TV show or movie. But, come on, you can actually do a lot with the Mugwile thing and stuff like that. I think it would be an actual pretty cool concept to actually have a live-action Gremlins show do the whole entire Secrets of Mugwile. That's just me and how I feel about it. But, you know, I just think that it would be a pretty cool concept. But, anyways, I'm just a guy that's talking about movies on a podcast. I'm not a writer. I'm not a director or anything. So, maybe they know more than I do. But, this is what the plot line is actually setting up, and it actually sounds interesting from an animated point of view perspective, but in the animated te- te- television adaption, we travel back to the 1920s of Shanghai to reveal the story of how 10-year-old Sam Wing, future shop owner Mr. Wing, in the 1984 movie, met the young called Gizmo along a teenage street thief named Ellie. Sam and Gizmo take a perilous dream, uh, journey through the Chinese courtside, encouraging, encountering, and sometimes battling colorful monsters and spirits from Chinese folk- folklore. On their, requ- on their quest to return Gizmo to his family and uncover a legendary treasure, they are pursued by a power-hungry industrialist and his growing army of evil gremlins. So, I like the concept with the fact that we are actually getting backstory to to the Chinese shop shop owner because here's the thing we don't really under know who he is we don't really know where he comes from 
All we know is that he runs this shop and he has these these things around the shop that is unique and everything else with antiques and stuff like that. And of course, he has Maguile Gizmo inside the box and everything. And he was hesitant to go ahead and sell it to Dave, Dave's uh, father and everything in the movie. And now it looks like we're actually going to get a little bit more of a backstory with the whole entire Gremlins universe and stuff like that. And here's the thing. I'm always the type of person where you don't actually have to explain anything to me or anything like that. I like to use my imagination as to where these characters actually come from rather than something to be explained to me. But it's actually pretty interesting, if you think about it, where they actually want to go into the 1920s realm and go into the Shanghai type of setting and actually explain where Gizmo comes from, where these Gremlins actually originated from. And also, too, you actually have this thief that's actually trying to return Gizmo to its rightful people rather than being with the shop owner, Mr. Wing. But still, it makes you wonder where this animated show can actually go and how far they can actually take this animated show. But on the other hand, too, I'm actually kind of let down because I think this would be an awesome concept, like I said, for them to actually do something more with the Gremlins than just turn it into an animated TV type of show because don't don't get me wrong like I said you can do plenty of things with anime stuff and things like that but come on you can actually capitalize on a pretty good show where you can actually film in Shanghai and everything or film in a studio and do a green screen in a way and actually go ahead and have the animatronics there and stuff like that of the original puppets and stuff like that rather than doing the anime thing because I think there was going to be so much stuff that you can actually pack into a tv show a live action TV show at that and explaining stuff that way than opposed to actually doing an animated style st- type thing. But like I said, that's just how I'm looking at it. Tell me what you guys think about that idea about them actually making an animated TV show. HBO Max, as a matter of fact, as soon as this thing drops, as soon as HBO Max drops, you're not going to be able to watch it anyways because of the fact that they're still trying to figure out where they want to, what they want to do with this project and stuff like that and how they want to actually promote it. And also, too, the script and the animation itself. So there's that. So we're not even going to get to probably see Gizmo and any type of thing related to the Gremlins until later on in the future. Sometime probably 2021, maybe. 2022, something, sometime around that area. But that's just me guesstimating. It could happen at any time, at any moment. But that's just the reality of it. So now I'm going to drop down to Birds of Prey news. Now, here's the thing. I had someone over here telling me that, oh, you're just one of those people that just hates on DC. No, I did not hate on DC. I just want the DC movies to be good. That's all that I want. Because I'm a diehard Batman fan. I'm a diehard DC fan, but I'm also a Marvel fan too. I'm not one of those people that are just split down the middle or just have my one fanboy thing and that's it. I'm a, I'm here for both. I love getting sweaty with both fandoms because of the fact I grew up on both comics. And I've even loved the um, movies and stuff like that too. But let's just be honest here. Let me lay the facts on the table before I get into this Birds of Prey tracking news. And if you notice and everything too, before I get into this, um, I actually talked about the fact that 
you know, I didn't really care for the Birds of Prey trailer in itself because it has that same tone, same type of flavor that Suicide Squad actually had. And it's actually continuing off of that flavor that we that I didn't really care for with the Suicide Squad. The reason why that they're making this Birds of Prey movie was because of how well Margot Robbie did as Harley Quinn and they want to actually build this franchise around her, which you cannot blame because Margot Robbie actually did a fantastic job as Harley Quinn. But when you look at the Suicide Squad as a whole, it's a giant mess. It's a giant cookie cutter of a mess. Same thing with Batman vs. Superman. Now, here's the thing. I enjoyed Batman vs. Superman. I didn't love it. I enjoyed it. But if I have to compare it to the extended cut, I prefer watching the extended cut over the original cut any day. Because it actually enhances your experience. You actually understand where these scenes are actually getting set up at. You actually know what you're getting into. Opposed to the original cut, it's like, okay, well, if you're into the comics and everything else, that's pretty much too bad because everything is pretty much Easter egg, Easter egg, Easter egg. With this, you're actually getting layers to what you want from this movie with the extended cut. And to me, I love the extended cut. I own the extended cut. And I feel like that actually enhances my experience versus the um, original version. Because of the fact that they actually did a lot more. Zack Snyder was able to do a lot more with the Snyder Cut for that film. But another thing too is it was. Here's the thing. With the original cut and everything. Was the fact that. You know it was divided among film fans and critics. And that's not good whenever it's split between the middle like that. Where you have the division of the, the average moviegoer. And also the fans of the comics. And then you also have the critics themselves. And I get the fact that some people are like, well, screw the critics, whatever, and stuff like that. But here's the thing. The people that I actually love watching, as for critics go, are the ones that I actually like disagreeing with. Was because here's the thing, I don't want to listen to something that I'm gonna actually gonna agree that I'm gonna agree with all the time. Because what's the point of listening to your own thoughts through somebody else? You would want to go on ahead and listen to somebody else's thoughts. But that's just how I gravitate towards things and stuff like that. But, you know, I just feel like with Suicide Squad, it was a giant mess. And even with the extended cut, it didn't enhance my experience at all compared to with Batman versus Superman or anything like that. It didn't really do anything for me. And I really wanted this thing to actually stand out. I wanted to see Jared Leto have his screen time like they promised in the extended cut. All we got was like a music video type of setting kind of thing where you actually have music, uh, popular music playing and stuff like that. Then it cuts into another scene and then to another scene and then a little bit of the Joker and stuff like that. As a matter of fact, Another thing that I really wanted him them to have in that extended cut was the fact that wait until you see my toys. That's what I wanted to hear him say in the in the extended version. And that's not even in the extended version. So that tells me that there's even more scenes that they actually cut out of it than what they actually advertised it to be. But that's just the way I'm looking at it. And then Justice League comes out with Joss Whedon after the fact that you know, Zack Snyder actually had to leave because his daughter committed suicide, which I really feel bad at that situation. And then, of course, he got fired. And, you know, and then Joss Whedon, of course, comes in and does something horrendous with Batman and stuff like that. That goes against the character of Batman, which is giving him humor and stuff like that. Trying to make him a little bit more lighthearted whenever he's really super dark. 
and stuff like that. And that was also another film that was actually divided between film fans and critics. Whenever something's laid out in front of you, you have to look at what's in front of you. If there's facts on the table, look at those facts. Don't be a blind person and everything and ignore the facts. The first slate of DCEU movies wasn't that great. And now it seems like they're on a roll with their DCEU movies. And I'm even going to put the Joker on that list, even though it's an Elseworld movie, but it's still a DC movie. And I can even say that they're going four for four or three for three, if you think about it. Because let me tell you why I'm thinking that they're going three for three. Number one, you have the success of Wonder Woman. Number two, you have the success of Aquaman that came. Then you also had Shazam that came. So therefore, you have three for three. And I understand that some people may not like those movies, but you're one in a million compared to other people that actually enjoy those movies. And of course, it was also a box office success. And on top of that and everything, it was also loved by movie-going audiences and critics alike for all three of those films. There was no split down the middle at all compared to the, the last couple of slate of movies that they actually had whenever you look at the last three slates where you have Suicide Squad, Batman vs. Superman, and then you also have Justice League. So, you know, they're three for three as far as ironing out the wrinkles and actually understanding what their universe actually is. And with Suicide Squad, not Suicide Squad, but with Birds of Prey and everything, tracking at a $52 million with a $97. million budget... That's actually pretty decent because I'm glad that they're going away from the $150 million or $250 million budget like we got with uh, Batman vs. Superman, which I believe was like a $150 million budget, which is actually hard for you to get your money back and everything because you actually have to bank on the fact that the movie is me is good. I get the fact that you want to sell this movie and that you actually want this movie to be good. And stuff like that. But if the audience is not going to go out and see it and support it. And because the bad word of the mouth that your movie is not that great. You're not going to make your money back. And then even if you take a third of the money that a certain movie made. That's how much it it actually made. That's the actual number. But with Birds of Prey with 52 million with a 97.0 million dollar budget. That's actually pretty decent. But I hope the tracking is a little bit higher because here's the thing. Even though I have low expectations of this movie, I don't want this movie to fail. I want this movie to be successful so we can have more comic book-based movies. And here's the thing. Like I said before, I don't root for movies to fail because of the fact that I want to see more comic book-based movies. And because these movies actually exist, because of the fact that you have them being successful, we're going to have more of them. And that's what I want. And DC and Marvel both want wants to secede for the other one so the way they can make more money. And don't forget, this is actually a business. We actually we as fans actually think of things as a fan-based community and everything, but we forget sometimes, and I myself included, that this is actually a business. And they actually have to run this like a business or else they're gonna lose money, which is not good for either side. And Like I mentioned before, I mean, I wish, I'm hoping that the tracking for this is higher. I'm hoping this, this is going to be a successful movie and having this movie rated R for the sake of it being rated R because of the the fact that it's a rated R movie doesn't do anything for me. It's like slapping an explicit, um, parental advisory sticker on an album 
and calling it the best album ever ever because the artist cusses on the on the album and that is not what sells records and that's also too not what doesn't sell movies you can have an R-rated movie and the movie can still be bad Battlefield Earth um <laughs> because Battlefield Earth was rated R and look how crappy that was and you know just because a movie's rated R does not mean it's going to be good. That's the that's the way that you have to look at it. And I'm not rooting for this movie to be bad or anything like that. I'm just throwing that out there. It's just the fact that, you know, some people are not that excited for this movie. And I'm, exci- I'm excited for the fact that we actually have Margot Robbie actually carrying this film. Because I thought she was the standout of Suicide Squad. And stuff like that. But... You know, if nobody's going to be excited enough to actually go out and see this and support it, it's going to bomb. And, you know, I'm just ex- I'm just hoping that this movie is successful and so that way we can go on ahead and have more comic book-based movies. And I feel like, you know, in order for it to make its budget, you would have to go on ahead and make about $200 million just to go on ahead and make that $97 million actually work. Or maybe $130 million to make it work. But... Hey, it is what it is. It's a fifty-two million dollar um, tracking at fifty-two million with a ninety-seven point uh, seven or six million dollar budget. So there's that. And then Jeffrey Dean Morgan actually tweeted out to the creator of the show, The Boys, which is also the creator of Supernatural. Which I didn't even know that that it was actually the creator of Supernatural, but. Anyways, Jeffrey D. Morgan winds up tweeting him out, telling him how much he, he loves the show and how he hopes that maybe one day in the future that he might actually get to join the boys. And I think that having Jeffrey D. Morgan joining the boys would actually be beneficial to the series because of the fact that, who knows, The Walking Dead could be finishing up soon and Jeffrey D. Morgan could actually have another show that he can actually go back to to fill his time in with not to say that he can't do two shows at one time because that's been done before but it actually gives him more mobility more create creativity with a show that he actually feels passionate about a show that he actually loves besides the walking dead and playing negan but i think that jeffrey d morgan can actually be an anti-hero a superhero or a villain he can go either way with this and I think that he would actually give the boys a run for their money, especially the layers that they that he gives uh, certain characters and the and stuff like that. Look at the comedian, for example. He did a really good job with the Watchmen movie and stuff like that, and he did a fantastic job as Negan. So I, I'm all for for the fact that he wants to join the boys for season three. And of course, the creator also told them maybe sometime in the future, maybe they can actually do the boys for season three because he's actually writing well he's actually planning on stuff for season three and of course we already know that they're already filming for season two which is going to be dropping sometime this year sometime but we don't know when but it makes me excited it makes me geeked out it makes me sweaty just thinking of the fact that jeffrey d morgan might actually join the boys for season three and i get that you know there's no confirmation on it or anything like that but i'm hoping Pretty soon we might actually see some confirmation, some type of movement to where Jeffrey Day Morgan will be on, on the boys for season three. So now I'm going to be talking about RGJ, RDJ might be returning at, well, he said he would return as Tony Stark if there's a major reason. And this was actually mentioned on Joe Rogan's show, uh, podcast show. And you know what? 
I'm in total agreement with RDJ on this and everything. This guy, you know, is the reason why we had the MCU. They took a risk on RDJ, especially whenever all that stuff that happened with him in his past and stuff like that, and being addicted to drugs, him getting arrested on countless of times. John Favreau took a big chance on him and built the franchise around him. And if it wasn't for him, it could, and if Iron Man, for instance, wind up, winded, winded up bombing, we wouldn't see the MCU today. As a matter of fact, we would actually see at the snap of Thanos' hand the, the end of the MCU as we know it. We wouldn't even have no DCEU. We wouldn't even have, because nobody would want to go on ahead and take any chances of doing a comic book based film. We already saw that in 1997 when after Batman and Robin and then a couple of years later we actually had Blade that came out to save the universe. But you know and then of course you would actually go on ahead and have Marvel Studios would have to go on ahead and close up because they made their own studios for these movies to be designed and pushed out. So there's that. And then this is what um I almost said this is what Tony Stark said, <laughs> but this is what RDJ, RDJ said. To me, starting up again is off the table. I feel like I've done all I could with the character. There would have to be a super compelling argument and series of events that made it obvious. But the other thing is, I want to do other stuff. And you know what? I can respect him because he actually brought the character to where it needed to be. He laid down... For, to save the Earth, and a matter of fact, Cap even asked him, "When was the last time that you actually sacrificed yourself for the good of others?" And that's exactly what Tony Stark did. He went on ahead and he sacrificed himself to save everyone. And if it wasn't for his sacrifice, Thanos would actually wind up winning. And you know, I think that. Him saying that he's done with the character, he's done with what he could do with it. It's just like uh, Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. He felt like that he he's done with the character. He's it's time to hang up his claws. He's done everything that he could do with the character, and not to mention also the workout that Hugh Jackman actually had to go through during that time. But you know, with RDJ on the other hand, you know you don't really have to do a lot of working out or anything like that to be Tony Stark in a certain sense. But he already did. He re, Tony Stark's character is redeemed and everything, especially whenever you look at his character as a whole throughout the transformation of him from point A, from whenever he was in Iron Man 1 to all the way where he was in Iron Man 3 and even in the Avengers movies and stuff like that. His character kept on changing throughout all the movies and stuff like that. And that he already gave everything that he could do with the movies that he already had with these movies. And you know what? I felt bad for his up movie and everything, the uh, the lawyer or the judge. It was the judge. And I felt bad for for him for that because the I felt like the judge is the most underrated movie that you can actually think of that, and it bombed. The movie shouldn't have bombed. That movie was fantastic with him in it and everything because I actually thought that him and Robert Duvall actually did a really good job and everything as Robert Duvall playing the father, who's actually the judge, who's, um, and then of course something winds up happening to where Robert Downey Jr. has to go in and defend his father. The chemistry chemistry between him and everything was fantastic, 
and then you also have him doing Dr. Doolittle. And of course, he's going to be doing a sequel to Sherlock Holmes soon. So that frees him up to do more projects. And I would love to see RDJ and more stuff besides him playing Tony Stark. And I think he's, has his own, he has the right to actually want to play any movie he wants to play in. And if he chooses to go on ahead and play Tony Stark again, here's the thing. I think it would actually take away the emotional attachment to what we had in at the end of Endgame because I here's the thing if they go on ahead and do that the crying that we did at the funeral the crying that we did with when Thanos killed him and at the snap and everything else it wouldn't have mattered it would actually feel meaningless and selflessness and that's something that Tony didn't want he didn't want to be the same person that he was when he was starting out he wanted to sacrifice himself for the good of everyone else and that's what he did now there's rumors that he's going to be in the Black Widow movie, and I'm okay with that because of the fact it's actually a prequel-based movie, So, and he was actually alive during those times, so that's actually fine. But anything after um, Endgame, I'm not okay with because of the fact that the emotional attachment to the character that we once had is now gone, and it, his sacrifice would mean nothing to me. And I wouldn't even be psyched up to actually see RDJ back in the MCU again because of that. So, that's just my take on it. Tell me what you guys think about that. Now I'm dropping down to a little bit of Star Wars news. And Taika Waititi wants to develop a Star Wars movie with the help of um, Kathleen Kennedy. Now, here's the thing. We already know that the Star Wars uh, saga with the Skywalkers is now finished. My question is this, what can they do now? Besides the fact, go on ahead and continue off with Ray's character, what else can they do that's actually canon within the new, the new books? And here's the thing, I'm not really fluent with Star Wars other than the movies itself. I did read Rogue One, but I'm not fluent enough to actually know in the books on what's going on. I just know the stuff within the movie universe in itself. So I'm not fluent on the books, other than maybe Darth Maul's comic book uh, run that they did and everything, which is actually a fantastic uh, comic if you actually want to get into his whole entire background. But other than that, though, I don't know too much about that. And then, of course, we already know what happens in the original canon with some of the books, where um, Chewie gets killed by a moon, which is something that I'm glad that they they got rid of, because that used to be canon. But anything now... I'm not I'm not sure where they what they can do with Star Wars. And I love what they're doing with the Mandalorian. I'm loving the fact that we're actually gonna get an Obi-Wan TV show featuring Darth Maul as well. And even Mandalorian probably as uh, with Darth Maul. But what else can you actually do besides go back in time before some of the events of Star Wars? That's what I wanna know. And that's what I'm interested in it in as well is knowing what Taika Waititi can actually bring to the table because I love Taika Waititi. I think he did a real good job with Thor Ragnarok. I think he did an excellent job with some of his other stuff that he's done. I haven't seen Jojo Rabbit yet, but I've heard good things about it. But, you know, as for someone that knows what sci-fi and fantasy is and stuff like that that's set up in space, Taika Waititi is actually your guy that you would want for a Star Wars franchise and everything to direct your movie. But the question is, where do they go from here? That's the main question. 
And I know some people are really excited that Taika Waititi is coming in without any questioning of what direction can they actually go in. What more can you give us? Because you already gave us the saga that ended all sagas of the original saga of the Skywalkers. What more can you do for us? That's my main question. So that's going to do it for me for today's podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I'm actually going to have a link to where you guys can actually comment on the show, send in an email, um, not an email, but a voicemail, and let me know what you guys have to say, because I'm curious about what you have to say about the show. Also, too, I'm planning on doing some more uh, face-off stuff and things like that, some more uh, tournaments where movies are going against each other, and and I'm hoping that you guys are actually going to enjoy that for future But anyways, that's going to do it for me, and I hope that you guys enjoy the show, and until next time, bye-bye.